response from people had a few have had a few people call about them, just no response to coming to church yet. So, but that will come, and uh, somebody will. Uh, we're going to end the book of Joshua tonight <coughs> if we get there, but. Joshua chat. We're going to start in Joshua 13, but we're going to make our way all the way to the end chapter, chapter 24. We're just going to cover a couple verses in 13 and 14, and uh, then we're going to jump all the way to the end. Chapter 12 or chapter 11, we talked about where um, they destroyed and they, they got the land. Well, the land is conquered. The land belongs to Israel. And so now is the time to divide the land. And that's what takes place in the latter part of Joshua. Joshua chapter 13, if you will. Let's read together in verse number one. Joshua chapter 13 and verse number one. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And then he goes on and tells him, what needs to be possessed. Then, then also in chapter 13, uh, the inheritances to all the different tribes. Uh, Reuben, Gad, half-tribe of Manasseh. And then there is no inhabitant, no inheritance for the tribe of Levi. Levi was given the inheritance is God. Verse 33, but unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance, the Lord God of Israel, was their inheritance. Now, and then he continues to divide the land. Um, in verse number, chapter 14 and verse number 11, uh, uh, verse number 8, I'm sorry. It's an interesting statement here, a couple different statements he makes. And the Bible says in verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. If you see a statement here in both of these verses, Joshua or Caleb is making a request at this time, but both of these, God gave them the land because they wholly followed God. There's been many times in my life I've not always done what God wanted me to do. I've not always followed exactly what God wanted to do. He wholly followed God. Chapter 15 moves on into the inheritance of Judah, inheritance of Caleb, and the cities of Judah. In chapter 16 is the inheritance of Joseph, the inheritance of Ephraim, the inheritance of Manasseh. It moves on, and, and uh, then it says, uh, then the tabernacle rests at Shiloh, chapter 18. Inheritance, uh, chapter 18, is the inheritance of Benjamin. The, the cities of Benjamin, chapter 19, starts the inheritance of Simeon, inheritance of Zebulun, Inheritance of Issachar, the inheritance of Asher, and the inheritance of Naphtali. And then the inheritance of Dan and the inheritance of Joshua. And then chapter 20 is the discussion of the need for the cities of refuge. And every, every uh, he talks about the names of the city of refuge that they would give. 
Then in chapter 21, it gives cities for the tribe of Levi, cities that were given to Aaron, cities that were given to Gopath, cities that were given to Gershon, cities that were given to Merah, and then the land possessed by Israel. Now to chapter 24, the eastern tribes returned to their land. And it goes on and he, he, he speaks to the children of Israel in chapter 23 about keeping God's law, about not going back to the things that they used to be, not going back to where they were in Egypt as far as the, the people that they worship. Now to chapter 24. Let's read. We'll begin reading in chapter 24. And Joshua gathered all the people I gathered, I'm sorry, gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the, <coughs> the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people that saith the Lord, God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor and they served other gods, and I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout the land of Canaan and, and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his, and his children went down to Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I had, um, uh, did among them. And Afterward, I brought you out, and I brought your fathers out of, the, out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers, and with the chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them with you. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season." So Joshua's kind of given them the rundown of what's taken place, how they came to where they are. And he's, he's telling them, you know, it started with Abraham. Abraham here, he came and I gave him a son and, and his son had sons. And then, uh, then Jacob went to Egypt and then I had to go send somebody to get him out of Egypt. And then God delivered them and brought them to where they are. Now, We'll continue to read because I want to read it all. That way we can kind of grasp exactly the statements that Joshua makes here in verse 8. And I brought you into the land of Amorites, which dwell on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them for from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, King of Moab arose and warred against Israel and sent and, and called Balaam the son of Behur to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went unto Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. <coughs> the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I have delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, not with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and the cities which ye did not build, ye build not. 
and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and the olive gardens which ye did not, which not, which ye planted, not did do ye eat. Look, God is God is tell, Joshua is telling these children of Israel, we've taken this land, but we didn't have to work for it. We we didn't have to plant the we didn't have to plant the trees. We didn't have to grow the fruit. It's already here. See, when when he came into the land, and this is what Joshua remembers all the way back to when he came in to spy the land, is that he saw the land flowing with milk and honey. And so here he comes with the children of Israel to take the land. And when he took the land, he destroyed all of these people and took all of their land. And God provided them with land and trees and fruit uh, beyond measure that was already there because of their labor to get to where they were. Now, now he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt served ye the Lord. Now, a very familiar verse, very famous verse, if you will. But now I want you to stop for just a moment and I want you to think about this. How or why are they where they are? Why are they where they are right now? Why are they here? Joshua has obeyed. Okay. Who do you obey? God. God. Who brought them to where they are? God did. God did. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. Where you are right now. Where are you right now in your Christian life? Who brought you here? God. God did. God brought me here. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm following him, then I'm, then I'm wholly following him, and I get a chance to live the victorious Christian life. And so here we are. This is what Joshua has laid out. God brought them all the way from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau and... And all of these, all the troubles in Egypt and the plagues and Moses and Aaron and now Joshua, here we are. We're here. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. What it take for us to get this? What did it take for us to get this Bible? Who died so we could have this? Jesus. This has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation so that you and I can have a Bible in our hands in the English language. How that happen? Pure circumstance? It took place because men and women of God stood holy and followed God. Because there have been times throughout history that the pressure has been on and they killed people for believing in God. In the book of Acts, did they not kill people for believing in God? Did they not throw them into jail? They could have folded up and see it into the house and yet we still have a Bible. This book that I hold in my hand is over 400 years old. Right? In English. English Bible over 400 years old. How'd that take place? Who sacrificed so that you and I could have this? 
King James. <laughs> no, Jesus. Jesus did, but men and women did. Yeah. How'd they preserve it? Come on. Just like that sign said behind you. Turn around and look at it. That's right. Fight on. Fight on. That's what they did for you. That's right. Yeah. Because they wanted the whole earth to know that there is a God. Right. The reason they came to America for what? For religious freedom. Do you know what they brought with them? Yeah. A Bible. You and I reap the benefit of them doing that. Right. You and I sit in a church house because somebody paved the way. Right. Somebody went before us and prepared. You, are, you were raised in church. If you wasn't raised in church, God allowed you to get saved because somebody else was preaching the gospel. Why? Because someone prepared the way. See, God prepared the way for the children of Israel to be where they were. There is not an, an accident. It's not by circumstance. It's not, it didn't happen by accident that I'm here and you're here tonight. It didn't happen by accident. God specifically had Abraham, had a son, and his son had sons, and they went to Egypt, and they had Moses and Aaron to bring them out, and they crossed the Red Sea, and then they crossed Jordan, and then they took the land, and all these things took place so that they could conquer the land of Canaan to, to be where they're at. If we ever get to a place and we think that we're here as a Christian because of what we've done, it ain't so. It ain't so. There's been many of men and women who've went before me <coughs> who paved the way. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Because of men and women who've come before me. And that's why they were there in the promised land because of the men and women who went before them. And though they didn't understand the circumstances and though they couldn't ever figure out exactly why it was taking place, why, why are we in Egypt? Why did they have to face the bondage? Why did they have to go through the plagues? Why did they have to face the wilderness for 40-some years? Why did they have to face those things? So that they could be in the promised land flowing with milk and honey. Sometimes you don't understand what you go through in this life. Maybe it's not for you to know today. I was, I was talking to an individual the other day, and they told me, and I, I've not done any research about it, but I need to, but they told me that if you take an olive pit and you plant it in the ground, do you know how long it takes for an olive tree to grow? To produce fruit. According to this guy, I, I don't know. Like I said, I need to, I need to do some research. He said 40 years. Wow. If you take a pit mm -hmm. and just plant the pit. Right. That's a long time. If you plant a shade tree in your backyard, how long does it take before it produces really like good shade? Years. Three or four years, maybe. One seed planted in the ground will take time. Before something comes up, yeah. Brother Blackie, I was Brother Blackie was showing me his 
plants today, and some of them got little sprouts coming up, you know? Yeah. Things don't just grow by themselves. It takes nurture. And see, all it takes is somebody had to plant. Okay, Abraham had to believe in God and then had to teach Isaac that it was okay to believe in God and, and Jacob and Esau and all those, all those that went behind him, they had to teach him how to believe in God. That seed has to die in the ground and then it's resurrected in the growth. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't planting the same as the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a picture of it. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, you think about the tree that, that Zacchaeus climbed up in. Way before Zacchaeus ever came along, someone had to plant that tree so that he would have a tree to be able to see Jesus. My God. Uh, Jesus put it there. On accident? No. On purpose. He knew that. See, everything that we step, we, we, we need to know that some future generation... Yeah, you say, well, I don't know that we'll even be here. I don't know if we will ever be here. I don't know if we'll be here another 40 years or not. But I don't know. And I have to live knowing that maybe someday that somebody will come behind me. You know? Somebody. I'm leaving behind. Joshua left behind a legacy of somebody who wholly followed God. Joshua picked up the mantle from Moses who followed God. He made some, he made some errors. He made some, you know, he, he lost his temper. Come on. Yeah, I've never been there. I mean, come on. He lost his temper, lost his cool, and, and didn't get to see the promised land. But it had it not been for Moses, Joshua wouldn't have got to see the promised land. And had it not been for Aaron, the same deal. And all those things took place to place Joshua in the promised land. And the things that we experience in this life is may not be for us. It may be for them that follow behind me. And Joshua says, how much do we owe? How much do we owe to those who went before us? Let me ask you, how much do we owe to those who went before us? Hmm? Everything. Now, Joshua makes a statement in verse number 15. Like I said, it's a very well-known verse. <coughs> but I believe he sets the stage in verse number 14. Look what, look what God has done. Look what God has done. All these things. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served on the, that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell... But as for me and my house, we'll serve who? The Lord. Joshua made a statement. He said, look, you can serve the gods that your fathers did on the other side of the flood. Because they did serve people on the other side of the flood. You can serve the gods of the Amorites. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm serving God. I don't care what they do. I don't care where they go. 
I don't care what happens over there. I'm serving God, and my children will serve God. We need to take that matter of a fact stand in this life that it doesn't matter whether they come with us or not. It doesn't matter if people go or not. It doesn't matter if they're behind us or not. We're serving God. As for me and my house, Joshua didn't make a statement and say, well, bless, uh, I'm telling you, Manasseh, you better go follow God. Uh, and Ephraim, you better go follow God. Uh, and, 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 and all the other, all the Dan and all the other tribes of Israel, you better follow God. He said, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're following God. What a strong statement to make. You don't, you go serve whatever, but I'm serving God. And my house, we're serving God. May I say to you, as for me and my house, hey girls, as for me and my house, hey boy, we're going to serve God. Whether people do or people don't, we've got to serve God. Now, let me ask you, why is it important to make that statement? Our lives depend on it. Our lives depend on it? There's, I don't think there's a wrong answer, so tell me what you think. What else? Please. <laughs> Mama, come get your boy. <laughs> hey, babe. Okay. Why else? Why do you think it's important? You're in church tonight because you made a decision that you would serve God when many others won't or don't. Right? It's called persuasion. We're persuaded that he's worthy of us being here. I love you too, Lindsay. I love you, Mostus. I think it's fair. We have to pave the way for the people that are behind us. Mm-hmm. We have to make an example for them to... See? You know, people have made the way for us. Yeah. And we have to leave an example for the people that follow us now. That's good. That's good. What if we don't? The lost generation. The creditor is outside. Yeah. They're wanting this guy. Because as, as you said... My children, like it or not, they're going to follow me. I mean, there'll come a day when they stop following me. There will. They get their own mind, right? They start doing their own thing. But ultimately, I've got to create that path that, that leads to the Lord. And if I create that path that leads to Dad, it's going to be shallow. But if I create that path that leads to the Lord... 
then that, hey, put your faith in God. Put, put your love towards God. Put your uh, serving God. That's, that's important. And then one day if they stray from that little bit, they're still, they have that in them. They know. And they will come back to it. Bible talks, tells us that in uh, train up a child in the way he should go. Mm-hmm. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Well, that, um, I've, I've seen uh, people that were raised right go out and then come back. I've seen them go out and not, uh, not come. I haven't seen them come back yet. But they're, they know, right? And honestly, there's a young man I know that was raised right. I mean, straight and narrow, in church, and all that. And he's out there doing his own thing. But I'll tell you, he hasn't come back, but his life is messed up. He's got issues and his all the time, he's all the time, all the time he's in all kinds of mess. I, and I feel like based on Bible, Bible says he chastises his son. You get away from God, you go do your own thing, you're going to get chastised. God's going God's to chastise to bring his own son back. But with that being said, I've, I still have to pave the way. You know, why, 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 why did you make that decision? Anybody? Why did you make that decision to follow God? Listen, if you have a 13 or 14 year old kid that you're feeding and clothing that bum and he says, bless God, I'm not going to church. I'm going to play ball or something like that. Get your clothes on. You're going to the church. Don't let that little stop box tell you what he's going to do. My daughter, uh, she's just out there, but uh, when she was that age, she was still in church. Yeah. But once I left the house and left her mom, then she started doing her craziness, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, but again, yeah, if, if you're feeding them, the child that opens the womb is God's blessing. And it's up to you as a parent to make sure that your kids, <coughs> as long as they're under your roof and you're feeding them and you're clothing them, stay in church, period. End of story. That's my opinion. Of course, opinions are like earlobes. Everybody's got them. (laughs) My opinion is a child, you know, from the time their baby Lucas was age, if they're taught right, the time that not the time when they're like 12 and 13 and they start hitting mama or cussing or carrying on and everything, that's not going to happen. Because they already know that they're not going to get by with that kind Right. Because it started at a younger age. So you got to train them up, but you start. Right. You start early. Right. Wait till they're teenagers. Right. 
That's. If the mamas and daddies are constantly at each other's throat, then it boils over on the kids. Oh, it does. It does. But but ultimately, that your child, my children, I, I don't know because my child, my oldest is eight. Okay, so I'm not speaking from experience, but I do know that how I was raised and what my parents did and how important it is for me to teach my children to do the same is to love God and to serve God and to simply just fall in If you fall in love with the Lord, then everything else will just follow in line. And I try my best. And again, I think you said... You know, you have to train them when they're young. I mean, um, they have to understand when they're when they're uh, 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 when they're old enough to understand that they're throwing a fit. They're old enough to understand that is no. Right. I mean that that is a no no, and you they have to understand that at that age. I'm not teaching them at six or seven that they shouldn't throw fits. I'm teaching them at at just a baby age right. that they shouldn't throw fits, but. I'm no expert at all. I just try, I'm trying to teach that verse, hey, we're going to serve God. This is what I want us to do, is I want us to serve God. Stacy, what did you say? It's more under those, but it's also to me, it's not just something you do on Sundays. Right. You're living a Christian life, it's something you do every day in your home. It's not, they have to see that it's not just something you do at church, not just something you do for the preacher, it's something that you do every day, that's your life. It's not just, It does. Their Sunday mask. We cannot fathom in our brain what he went through to save us. Mm-hmm. I mean, people just treat it like, oh well. Uh-uh. The pain, the suffering that he went through right. to save us. Not only did he go through the pain, he died right. for us. Oh, yeah. yeah. And for us to treat it as so, meh, meh. Yeah. You can't be one way on Sunday morning. <coughs> you. you can't be one way here at church Sunday morning and be something else Sunday night when you get home. Right. No, that, that, right. that won't work. Right. So here's... Calls them to have to take nerve medicine. Here's, here's the line in the sand. Today, from this point forward, let's serve God. You know, and that's... And, and you guys, and again, you've made that decision. You're here at church tonight. So Joshua made that decision for his family. Um, what a strong decision he made. But in the other text that we read at the very beginning, verses that are very convicting to me is the Bible says in Joshua, holy followed God. I don't know, you know, they're right in Trenton's life. Trenton, holy 
followed God. Did I follow God in every area of my life? Did I do everything that God wanted me to do? Did I accomplish everything that God wanted me to accomplish? That is the convicting thought. Do I wholly follow God? Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for (coughs) allowing us to be together tonight.